Hey, you like cars? Well, so do I. Take a seat real quick. You're listening to Car Quicks. Again, got another one for you. So got my energy's up today. Last podcast, I was a little down, a little tired. I'm not today. Back, feeling cool. Not as blazing hot as I was the last one. Episode 22, Car Quicks. Yeah, see, you already see what I'm on right now, right? Snap was right there where we needed to be. So how are y'all doing out there? Hope you're doing good, doing fine. Family's doing well. Your friend's doing well. The cars are treating you well. The drives are doing well for your psyche, for your mental, for the energy in your body, okay? That's what we do these drives for. If anybody does like Sunday morning drives, they drive their car out like I do, that's what we do it for. It's not as much news today, but there's a couple things I want to discuss. And I probably say that every single time, but that, hey, that, guess what? Maybe that's my tagline. Maybe I always come here and say, hey, maybe it's not that much news today, but there's always something to talk about. So, as a GR Corolla owner, you know I saw it. I saw it, all right? And I sat back and I asked myself, are you car quicks cameron are you going to trade in are you going to go get the blue flame listen my favorite color is blue right all shades of blue cobalt dark deep blue sea blue flame blue raspberry i don't you know whatever if it's blue i'm cool for it even though i'm wearing a red hat but you see a little bit of blue on the shirt a little turquoise or something but blue is my favorite color so Toyota the other day, they released basically an entire gamut of special cars, basically little special editions for the GR cars. So they had the GR86, they had the GR Corolla, they had the Supra, they had a number of cars. But most importantly, they showed off a GR Corolla in blue flame color. Now, in the back of my head, I kind of knew this was going to happen at some point in time because the colors, like I said before, when I was talking about my reviews in a YouTube video, I said like, yo, the colors are like, (laughs) like red, black, and white and gray, heavy metal. That's it. Not really that exciting. So some people kind of knew like, hey, if you wait, they're probably going to make a different color. That's just how they get down whenever they make the GR models every other year, even for the like things like the TRD for, you know, forerunners or the Tacomas or the Tundras. They make like these special edition sunburst orange or green colors or gray colors. So they do this thing. This is their normal thing. Right. So the blue flame comes out. Everybody sees it. It looks amazing. I'm not even going to front. It looks real good. I thought about trading in. I'm not going to lie to y'all out there. I saw it and I sat back and I said, am I going to trade in the ice cap? Now, my car is not a circuit edition. 
Okay, the one that they showed, the blue flame, was a circuit edition. So you get the, you know, you get the spoiler, the wing, you get the gloss black, you get the, you know, all the features on it. Now, when I was buying my car, none of those were enough to move me to pay the extra for the circuit edition. I was just like, white ass, white ice cap, white ice cap circuit, you know, I'm not a huge fan of gloss black. So it wasn't enough to move me personally. For other people out there, there's plenty of people I know that have circuit editions that that's the one they wanted. They wanted the whole thing. So more power to them. That's what you do. You buy the car that resonates with you. So the blue flame one, however, was a color that I preferred to see and looked really, really good. I'm just kind of being facetious a little bit, all right? I don't really think I'm trading anything in because guess what? The markups on the blue flame are going to be absurd, okay? Absurd. Believe that, okay? They're going to be crazy. So, in regards to all the other cars, they have the GR86 Truno Edition. I know I'm probably saying this wrong, but you all have seen Initial D. You know the car that was floating around delivering the sushi? They basically put that livery on the GR86. Now, plenty of people have already done this multiple times. I've seen it on YouTube. I think the gentleman I've watched, Dustin Williams, he did the same thing on the giveaway car. People, somebody did it on the GR Corolla. It's it's been done. Toyota is now doing it for theirs. They call it Tr Truno Edition. If I'm saying it wrong, just let me live. Okay? They're doing on that edition. I especially like the interior on this one. It has like a very bold red and black you know, scheme going on. Same car. It's not like they changed the performance of it. I don't know if they added like a new exhaust on there or something, but really it's more of like a trim package that pays homage to that particular car. Now, that is a cool thing because you take that, you add some modifications to it, you add your own style to it, some front lips, some wheels, a drop and all this, and you got a pretty dope looking car. One that a lot of people like. On top of that one, they showed the GR Supra. Now, the Supra's 45 years old. <laughs> Who would have thought? Because a little car will fall around. I, I didn't even know it was 45 years. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. My brain only remembers like MK3, MK4, MK5, you know, A90s. Like, that's where my head goes. I don't really even think about the ones that came, like the, the Celica Supra or things like that. So, this, this edition is orange in color, six-speed manual, 900 units. I mean, nothing, these are all trims, right? I think the GR Corolla is the only one that added some other things to it. And I kind of circle back to that. But the Supra trim level, colors, six-speed manual, limited 900 units. So another nice-looking one. Now, to get back to the GR Corolla, they did update a couple things on it. So they said that there were some, like, chassis changes. I heard that they made, like, the wheel wells and, like, a metal. I think it was, like, aluminum or something of that nature. They changed something to help the stability of it at high speed. They said did some chassis tweaks. I don't. They didn't do anything major like we just reinforced the chassis to make it a different model altogether. But they did give it the Marizo wheels. So Marizo owners might be a little, you know, not me to be feeling that because y'all had the special wheels. So they got the Marizo wheels, and that was pretty much the main big thing. Other than in the interior was what really sold me. They had the blue stitching on the seats. And as I've said before, I'm trying to introduce the color blue into my white-colored car because normally the theme is red, black, and white. And I'm like, how do I switch out the red for blue? Or just add blue as an accent because red, white, and black, and blue does work together as 
colors that, you know, complement each other. So one day we're getting there. Okay. A lot of the stuff I want, this stuff ain't cheap. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like stuff costs a lot of these wheels, <laughs> these wheels cost a stack multiple. Now, outside of Toyota showing off the, um, you know, the new GR models and things that are coming out, Hyundai is really, I mean, really, really gearing up for this Ionic 5N. Now, some people drove the car. Motortrend drove the car. I read an article about them that they test drove the car that had come out. And almost across the board resoundingly everybody said that one of the knocks about evs let's just have a quick let's have a conversation for people that like performance cars gr corolla owners civic type r owners m3 owners lamborghini owners ferrari owners porsche mustang gt500s and gts rx i mean i'm just reeling off cars right Anybody that's in this bracket of like a performance car, they like them because of what it gives them back, right? Whether it's how it drives down a curve, how it feels when you're shifting gears, how it feels when you time a perfectly done downshift, how it feels when you're right in the power range, how the exhaust note gives you feedback, the smells of the car. Well, maybe it's E85 you have. Maybe it's an exhaust smell. Those type of things are very visceral experience that cannot be replicated by EVs. And because of that, most EVs that people have that are fast, what they say is they're just like toy RC cars. They go fast real quick. It's a one-trick one pony. You're not going to get any of that feedback back. You're not going to get any of that information back. So... What happens is when all these companies come out talking about performance EVs, us car enthusiasts, the people that drive cars, that like driving, we're like, that's not for drivers. That's for people that want to just go to work and commute, get from point A to B, and every now and then press down the accelerator on the on-ramp. And yes, they're fast, faster than 90% of the, all the cars I'm speaking about in a straight line, but I'm not buying a car for it to be you know, a straight line monster. I mean, I can build a drag car if that's all I'm looking to do, but I like the overall experience. So the big deal about the Ionic 5N is that all the drives have been praising what they have achieved, meaning they have somehow put some type of soul into this car. Now, I haven't driven it. I'm very interested in driving this, among other cars. You know, so I got this channel. You know, hopefully as I move on up, I get invited to one of these press releases. But I would like to drive this car because a couple of things that they're talking about. One of them is that when they're driving the car in the Nürburgring, they're driving it in a certain section. They talked about the way that it was braking. When they came to the corner, they can like trail brake. The back end would step out a little bit because they had configured the electric motors. Because this is the kind of the trick about EVs. You could program them to do anything. You could have it put 50% of the torque to one wheel, to the other wheel, to put it to the front, put it to, you can do something that mechanically on other cars, it took a lot of work, or you had to combine it with mechanics and electronics. EV being all electronic, it's all software basically saying, hey, do this to the power at this interval, at this pace, at this speed. So it makes it, you can kind of achieve this feeling of how you're driving the car. So what they said is that going around corners and driving the car, it felt engaging. 
Like they could feel it turn in. They can feel the car shift and kind of dance a little bit when it coming around the corners. They can feel the acceleration when they come out of it in a way that almost emulated a car because they have this technology in it. To, to basically get that feeling that we all have with the cars, they kind of have to do something that's a little, a little gimmicky, but gimmicky in the way of trying to achieve something, right? So they have something called E-Shift or N-E-Shift, which is basically, it's slower than keeping the car in normal EV, mo- EV mode, but what it does is it kind of delays the delivery of the torque. It kind of gives you that feedback of like, oh, you're shifting gears, you're going to a higher gear, Similar to what I've talked about before that Porsche has done on their Taycan. So now that people are driving this car, now that there are more bodies that are getting inside of it, they're all reporting back saying the same thing. They're like, hey, man, this thing is performing. And one of the other things they have is like the sound because the lack of sound in the EV is one of the things that misses from performance driving. So they have a mode called, I think it's called N-Active Sound. Then there are a couple things. One's called Evolution, Ignition, and Supersonic. Now, the sound is based off of the 2-liter Turbo 4 that's in the Veloster N and the Elantra N. Here's where I'm going to knock them on this, or here's where I'm going to suggest that Hyundai think about this a little further. Most of the people that have these type of cars aren't looking for the EV car to sound exactly like an Elantra N or a Veloster N because in reality, if you were to build a brand new N vehicle with a different motor, it should sound different. Even if it had the same motor, it should still sound, it should still be tweaked in a way. But because we have an EV and if we're going all the way to have active N technology sounds in there, then let's have some fun. See, when Dodge showed that Challenger, they're basing it off a sound that they're creating through almost hardware, almost like a trumpet type of hardware where they're making a sound. However much people hated it, it's like they're trying. They're trying to show something. Now, some people are like, why are you trying to make a sound like the ice counterpart? And that is where I agree. This stuff should sound, I've said it before, when the Hyundai Envision 74, I'm like, Starship Enterprising. Like, just make, yo, go to Star Wars Episode 1. The Pod Racers, how those sounded? Listen, just figure out something like that. Call Hans Zimmerman and figure out if we can get him to concoct some sounds for how these cars should be. I don't think the Dionic 5N should sound like a Veloster N because it's not, especially considering the fact that you have a Veloster N. We can go get one right now. We can go down the street and buy a Veloster N. But because Ionic N is so unique, make unique EV sounds. Make spacey sounds. Make it wind up and tune down. I'll give you another example. The Ford, I think it was a Ford Mustang Mach-E that they had for drifting. I think maybe, I don't know who drove it. Maybe it was Von, Von Gittin dr- drove the car as well. But regardless, what I'm getting to is that based off of the engine and motor they had on that car, just by driving it, it, emu- it em- emitted a sound that was unique to EVs and to that car. It sounded extreme, like a very high-pitched whine. Like it was just very, but it sounded cool. It sounded like something like Space shuttle was coming down the road. And I think the engineer should figure that part out. Like, instead of trying to muffle the sounds of the electric motor, what it naturally puts out, I think it should have that sound. If you have an RC car, 
like I do. If you pin it back, it makes a sound. Like it makes a sound that everybody knows when they're dealing with electric cars, electric RC cars. Have the car just give out the sound it gives out. Now, I'm sure when we get kind of to the fine-tuning of things and gears and motors, I'm sure somebody's going to start figuring out how to make them put out a different sound. But if we're going to also put out sound in the speakers in the car, don't do it for the engines because you already have that. Do it for something different. Again, make it sound like it's a rocket. Make it sound like the Jetsons. Make it sound like something we haven't heard before. Because then it's a new experience. Now, if you're trying to gather people to come in that aren't privy to EVs or they want to hold on to the feeling of the ICE vehicles, then I can understand having a sound. But at the same time, too, guess what? Make sound profiles. Have a a download package saying, hey, we know you can have a sound like this, but we also have this option, too. I'm sure they're going to sell it, too. Like, not to give these companies another angle to try to get money out of us again, but I'm sure somebody in that boardroom was like, hey, you know, we can add subscriptions to sounds now. Like, or they're going to add some package. They're like, hey, you want the space package? That'll be $24.95. You know, something of that nature. Now, outside of the sound part of it, as far as the performance, though, they said this is going to be near like 600 horsepower. I have no idea what this car is going to cost, but a 600 HP EV in the end division on the Ionic 5, which is like, I say a hatchback, it's a little bit larger than a normal hatchback. Obviously, the car does have some weight. This ain't going to be cheap. And what they said is all the engineers, they have kind of hidden the weight of it. Like when people are driving it, they're not feeling like they are commanding a very large, heavy vehicle. Braking-wise, they have a 15.7-inch front brake rotor with four piston calipers, the biggest ones they've ever put on there. They said that they also figured out how to make the regen on deceleration with ABS that can pull up to 0.6 Gs, which is a lot. So that means we now might be getting to this phase of like using EVs and technology to actually outperform a trick into doing things that you never could do before. So regenerative braking is obviously feeding back energy to the batteries, which you would need to do multiple laps. So we could do multiple laps. The brakes are actually helping us with the motor braking and the brakes. So it's like you might get to a point of having even shorter stopping distances. I don't know. I'm throwing out a theory right now. I'm not an engineer, but the engineers are working on that part of it too. The rear brakes are also in the same size, but they're also bigger than they've ever done but the whole point is that everybody that's driven the car has kind of said the same thing over and over it feels and drives like an ice version of an end car they said here's one quote i don't know the gentleman that said it but it was from motor trend they said it drives like a 600 horsepower veloster n that's a good thing because the veloster n drove and was renowned as far as how good it can drive and run so to say that it's basically a all-wheel drive, 600-horsepower version of that car kind of gives me a lot of hope in what it does. Now, as far as how it looks and what it's going to have on the interior, I mean, you see what the Ionic 5 already looks like, so I would imagine bigger front grille, maybe a lower fascia, maybe a little lip spoiler interior, you know, bucket-type seats, you know, insignia for the end. We don't have much on there. What I do know is that reading the articles, and if you haven't read them, I encourage anybody to go and read it because... It's cool to see that the engineers understand the uphill battle we have 
to come from the hundreds of years of automotive cars to get to this next generation of EVs and what for performance car enthusiasts what it looks like. I mean, that's why I'm never really getting rid of my GR Corolla because I know it's the last of this. We're in the last of these eras. Like they're not doing all-wheel drive hatchbacks with turbocharged three or four or six-cylinder motors. I mean, it's really not going to happen that much. So though it's over, I'm excited to see what the future holds because I am a guy that likes tech. I mean, I work in that industry, so I like to see what's next, what's coming. It's a cool car. I'm excited for it. I'm sure maybe somebody in the comments are going to be like, yo, I don't care. I'll never drive an EV. I mean... It's possible to never drive one, honestly. I mean, there's so many gas cars out there. The idea that the EVs are going to take over all cars that are sold, all cars on the road is such a... I mean, I won't be around for it. We're talking about another 100 years. I'm not going to be here for it. If I am, it's because we figured out how to freeze me. (laughs) Now, back to the other car. So, really, this episode is going to kind of talk about something I saw a rumor on. And I'm hoping it's a rumor. Because if it's not a rumor... Again, I don't know who's in these boardrooms, but they need your boy, okay? They need me. They need to call Car Quicks and say, we just want you to stand off in the corner, hands folded, and just observe what we're talking about in this meeting and tell us if we're going down the wrong path. And please, speak up and guide us, because we need you. Now, here's what I'm talking about. Nissan showed a teaser of the new Nismo Z. This is the big, or the Z Nismo, whichever way you want to say it. It's the Nismo version. You know, it's a big deal. So we knew the new Z came out, 400 horsepower, V6, twin turbo, basically very similar to the outgoing 370Z. It's not a brand new, completely updated, but it's a very solid platform. It pulled things like the engine and updated certain things from the Q60s and the Infiniti. But it's a it's an amazing car. It does well. The Z people love it. It performs great. There's already people running nines and tens. It's it's already out there. So the Nismo version is a track-oriented one, the one, the very special one, the one that many people who like the Z are probably sitting back waiting to call their dealership about this. So they show Chris Fosberg, who's a known drift, you know, um pro driver. And he's drifting around the car. It looks cool. It has a gray color, red accents. I like the front bumper at the bottom. I got a picture. You know the drill, how I get down. So I like the front, bottom, the you know little fascia, red. I like the wheels. They hadn't shown much of the interior. All the pictures that we have of this car are very much like still images from this teaser, which I say teaser, but they showed the entire car. But here's where they showed something that I thought is a rumor. But the rumors are kind of saying it's confirmed. And enough videos, I don't know how many videos came out. I saw one from Dude in Blue, where everybody's kind of like, this is going to be kind of interesting if that's the case. And here's what they're talking about. In the video, when Chris got into the car, it was an automatic version. Now, the new Z is available in the 9-speed automatic and the 6-speed manual. The Nismo, we don't know what it's going to be offered in. But in the video, it showed an automatic only which is interesting because the way I look at this is that that might have confirmed it. And here's why I say that because Fosberg's a drift driver. He's a pro driver. Him driving a stick Z is like perfect to showcase his driving abilities and his talent. The car driving showing it scenes of his shifting gears, 
showing the red line tag. I'm just I'm just basically reeling off what a video editor would do. Tag going to red line. Next scene, a shift of to third gear, to fourth gear. Him pulling up the e-brake, drifting around the corner, drifting around the course, another gear shift, tack going up, speed going up. I mean, they could have did a Gimkana video right there just to show off the Nismo Z. But they showed the automatic one. And even though he was driving it as good as he always can do, it still raised the question of like, are we about to get an automatic only Nismo? What is happening? So the rumor was like, we don't know. But somebody on one of these forums found the ordering sheet for the Nismo Zine was like, there's no six-speed manual for that car. It is pretty much confirmed in their eyes and many that this car is only going to be available on automatic. Now, for the sake of numbers, I understand how we can kind of get into this world where there's this argument about automatics to manuals. When I say automatic, I'm talking about dual clutch, automatic transmission, everything. You're not manually shifting the gears like you do in a six-speed manual or five-speed. Those are not the fastest. We already know this. Technology has caught up. Unless you, uh, unless you are serious driver mod, most of the time, anybody who's a dual-clutch or automatic is going to beat you off the line and beat you down the track or beat you down the race because they don't have to worry about shifting and all those things because computers are faster than most humans, pretty much all humans. And so... When you have these performance benchmarks and companies get caught up in like this Nismo has to be the fastest one we've ever done, then I can see where an automatic comes into play. I can see where they have the automatic and they say, this one performs better. It gives us a track number we want because manufacturers are still caught up into this world of is my car the fast, which I think is stupid because a Nürburgring number it's for armchair racers, right? I'm not going on the Nürburgring to break down an under-seven-minute run. I'm not that talented. I don't know how to do it. I've never driven a track. It's dangerous. You could kill yourself trying to do it. So when the manufacturers come out and they're like, oh, we just banked a new record for the real-wheel drive, two coupes, two plus two coupe with the V6 in the front on Thursday at 9.15 a.m. when the sun was setting. <laughs> So there's always some ridiculous record that can be broken, and then they use that for their advertisement. Because I understand advertisement is what people want to see. They talk about it on forums. They show it on the on podcasts. Here I am talking about things like that. And so they want the advertising of it. So if I was to suspect that Nissan would be this tone deaf to make an only automatic Nismo Z, it's because they're chasing a number, and a number that really nobody honestly cares about. Like, nobody buying the Z was like, you know why I bought it? <laughs> because they ran a 120 and VIR. If it wasn't for that, I mean, I'd have to just take my deposit back. And no, they're not doing that. Nobody cares that much. I'm sure there's a subset of people that do. I would argue those are the people that live on the track and really perform and drive their cars to the limit at 1010. But I don't really know of most of the drivers that are on the street that care that much about what it can do. How does it feel when I'm on the back road? That's not a number. I'm not tracking my numbers. I'm tracking how I feel emotionally. I'm smiling. I feel the wind blowing. I can hear, feel the gear. Am I the fastest? No, I drive my car on the back road. Am I the fastest one of them roads? Absolutely not. I'm sure somebody there is like, man, this guy's slow. But I'm enjoying my time. Right, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And I think that's what should supersede any of these numbers. Like, have the numbers. It's cool. Have the numbers. 
but don't base the car on what you're offering off of just the numbers because then we end up in a situation where there's a rumor saying that the next Nismo Z would be automatic only. And why would you do that? We already saw Toyota do with the Supra. They dropped it with automatic only. Oh, it's efficient. We partnered with BMW. We did all this, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden, the six-speed manual comes out. Because ultimately, what they're trying to do is you're catering to a specific crowd. They're saying, if you're making cheeseburgers and you're like, hey, I made this burger. And they're like, hey, man, we love when you put the grilled onions on it. Please keep doing that. We'll buy them all day long. You got a line out the door saying, man, we put the grilled onions on there. Change the game. We're buying this burger over and over again. We love it. We're your loyal fans. And then you say, you know what? From here on now, we're just going to put raw onions on there because it's easier and it's faster. We can get the burgers out to you faster. You don't got to wait in line so long. We went from a three-minute burger make to delivery to a one-minute and 45-second burger to customer delivery. And then you're going to lose your customers because they're all going to say, we didn't come here because you could make the burger faster. We came here because of what you offered and what we liked. So the Nismo... Z owners from the previous years have been driving a manual vehicle. I can't imagine that they're looking at this. I'm not saying some of them won't appreciate the automatic because there's going to be a subset of people that are going to say, bruh, I'm sick of driving manual in this traffic. I applaud them to make an automatic. I've been asked questions that the GR Corolla be offered an automatic. Now, I'm not a person that's like no automatics ever, but I am a person that says if you're going to do it and offer both, right? I don't know if one's better than the other, but if you already have a six-speed manual and an automatic on a regular Z, I cannot imagine that they would make the Nismo Z an automatic only. God, listen to me, Nissan, do not play yourself, okay? It's unnecessary, okay? This is like driving without your seatbelt. It's unnecessary. You don't got to go out like this. You can put your seatbelt on and still make it to your destination safely. So, Nissan, do, do I think that they're going to do this? I don't know. If I was to place a bet, I would say that was an interesting tease. It's definitely good if they're really into their marketing bag because now you got all the people talking about there's no manual. I confirmed on the order and sheets. It's only automatic. People are already probably trying to freak out. You got podcast episodes. Like me saying, are they really about to do this? And then they could come back on the back end and say, we got you. We got the manual on there, too. We ain't dumb. Now, I don't know if they're really going to do that. I don't know if they're just showing off what they have because that's what they have. And they're going to come out and say, hey, the Nismo and what the ethos of this company and what this aftermarket was all about was top performance. And they're right. And if the top performing happens to be the automatic nine-speed Nissan Z, then I really can't argue it because their whole entire history is about performing at the highest level. And if it's performing at the highest level, higher than the manual, then we're just going to have to suck it up and move on. And unfortunately, it gets back to what we said before. We are getting extinct. The manual driving, guys, we're out of here. I said in my last episode, T-Rex walking around triceratops we're like the condors we're like man we're almost extinct kind of still here but man people kind of shooting us out the sky we're coming to a close hopefully it's not the case i think it looks great i think it's a very i wanted to have a manual too because i wanted to also be considered in all these cars and all the information all the fun we can have about the last of the mohicans of these manual type of cars so 
it'd be cool to see it. If it doesn't have it, it's still a performance car, still going to perform. It's still good to see them making these cars because, again, we're coming to a different era. So I'm not fully going to knock them. I'm just going to (laughs) say, again, call me. Like, reach out to the group of people who are buying this car and say, what is it that we should not do? And they're going to say, don't offer this car and only an automatic. That's it, guys. That was my little rant, ideas, thoughts. I don't know. Just, I don't even know what to say. Other than do as you wish and do as you may. It's Carl Quicks, your host. Carl Quicks, your host. It's Carl Quicks. Cameron, your host. I'm slipping up. Cameron, your host. I'll see y'all around. Remember, save the manuals. <laughs>